When I got divorced, I moved into a small one-bedroom apartment above a hardware store. It was cheap and all I could afford as I was all of 27 years of age, a marriage that lasted a whopping five and a half years. I remember my first Christmas Eve there at that apartment. I had presents to wrap and the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, was coming on. So I got a bottle, some tape, wrapping paper, and I got to it. And then found myself really getting into the movie like I never had before. Things in life had not worked out like I thought, and the path I chose was not the one I was currently on. So I totally and completely started to identify with George Bailey. Not to the extent that I wished I'd never been born, but I got the message. And at the end of the story, oh, by the way, sorry, spoiler alert. The movie's over 75 years old. If you haven't seen it yet, I apologize. (laughs) But when he sees his brother, would have been dead if George himself had, had never been born. Man, man, I cried like a baby. I still do. And like for the next five years or so, that's what I did on Christmas Eve. I would drink, wrap presents, and watch It's a Wonderful Life. Sad? Maybe, on some level, but it was kind of a, kind of a happy sad, if there is such a thing. And we'll find that out this evening. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Thanks for being with me once again, folks. And our guest bottle tonight is uh, Woodford Reserve, but it's not your bourbon whiskey. It is your Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey, our first rye whiskey of the night. I chose Woodford Reserve because my guest tonight uh, said he was a fan of Woodford Reserve, and I said I promised that I'd bring him something different tonight. My guest is Dr. David Lowenstein, psychologist, Dr. David Lowenstein. And tonight, yeah, during this holiday season, we get to that topic known affectionately as the holiday blues. Dr. David Lowenstein, thank you so much for being oh, with me. Thanks for having me, and, no, and great drink. Yeah, good. So do you like the rye? Absolutely. Have you had the rye? I've never had the rye, but I think I'm liking the rye. You like the rye? The rye is good. You should, uh, I don't know if you have a nose for uh, whiskey, but you should You should detect a little black pepper and cedar in the nose, mm-hmm. and in the uh, taste of it, uh, If uh, of course, the rye, it's like 53% right. rye. It's 90.4 proof, I believe, and there's some molasses and and apple and and malt in there i mean yeah it's got everything it's got it's got, it's got it's, all it's, the important it's, stuff it's got all it's got a lot going on and it's got a nice finish a nice long very nice finish that stays with you we'll we'll check back in and see how you're enjoying <laughs> so far the, so good the woodford reserve kentucky straight rye whiskey answer that question right off the is there such a thing as a happy sad there definitely is a, a happy sad. I mean, I think that this is um, a difficult time for many people. Interestingly enough, it's not the time where most people are as depressed as they are at other times because um, they can put things together um, for the holidays. It's like I can make believe I can have a good time. Everybody around me is having a good time. But when they're by themselves or they're with people that they don't really want to be with, it really does hit home. So. They know they're supposed to be happy because everybody's kind of enjoying the holiday. The lights are out. The snow's on the ground. People are giving gifts and having a drink or spending time. But 
they're also kind of assessing their own life at the same time, and maybe they're not where they want to be or they're not doing what they want to be doing or they're not in the relationship or if they've lost somebody mm-hmm. also maybe that was really important them during the year. And it's, uh, it's a difficult time for that. So the holiday blues are a real thing. Absolutely. They're, they're definitely a big thing. A lot of people don't get treatment. A lot of people don't ask for help during this time because they don't want to bother people, um, because they don't want to infringe on their happiness, their good times, their celebration for either Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa and all those other Mm -hmm. holidays around this time. But it's a time where people who are having the blues are really experiencing them, um, and they're going through it alone. Is your story of you described? You're sitting in the television room of your apartment, by yourself, there's not like there was three other people there to help no, you out. No, there wasn't. Yeah, and uh, and you know that was the the first time in a long time that I had been by myself. Now, now, now whatever was going on in in the marriage, good, bad, or indifferent, and I had a very amicable split, so there wasn't a lot of animosity there. But the f- simple fact was, I was alone, alone for the first time. Yep, experiencing some of those things, and like I said, I'd seen that movie. Probably a, right. a dozen, if not more, tw- if not more times <laughs> up to them. But for some reason, that particular night, I started to identify with. See, this is what I got to be careful of tonight. I got to remember this is a podcast and not a therapy session for me, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I I've known you for quite a few years now, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know if I ever told you that I actually was in therapy for a while. Yes, you did. Tell I did. Me. I did tell you that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I not have, with me, not with you. No, no, that would be weird. I don't do those. Yeah. Uh, you're too difficult for me. That's what they said. That's, I, that's what they said. I have you're been, beyond my level I of expertise. Have, I wore, I wore out two different therapists. They committed suicide. They, when they... <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but he said, he said there was one guy who was, uh, he actually said, I remember Philip, what a great guy. He goes, I, 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 I can't do it. I'm done. I can't <laughs> do it. Whether you were done or not. Yeah, he whether was you done. were not. And he goes, he goes I, I've got somebody to recommend you to. And he recommended me to an actual psychologist. Oh, isn't that good? And, and, and you uh, burnt the second guy out, too. I wore the second guy out as well. <laughs> and then I went to a, a, a female psychologist uh-huh. at, at the time because I thought maybe that would be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And after the first session, she goes, no. <laughs> she, she just said she, no. She just said no. She Dropped goes, her pencil and yeah, left. It's not, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. I'm like, damn. Wow. And, uh, um, and I, I remember what Philip said, cause he, he was, he was, uh, he was a, such a, a sweet nurturing and, and caring guy. He goes, so you're going to recommend me to somebody else. He goes, yeah, I got somebody. And I said to him, I go, and he had something in his hand. He goes, is that, I go, is that my file? And he was putting it, and he goes, no, this is your drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I had my own drawer. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Uh, well, let's hope he's doing well. But I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure they've. <laughs> Hopefully, his medication's working now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have, I have worn out some, some people to the point where the last guy I went to actually. And see, I always wonder about that too, because um, you're you're regular people. I mean, this uh, is what as you far do as for I a, know, you, this is what you do for a living. My wife and I do it together too. Yeah, you guys both have a practice together in, in the same building. We've been in, for in thirty some odd years. Because I got the sense that with that, the last guy I went to, I, I started to feel. Uh, it's amazing how uh, empathetic you get when you start. I felt like he was going through something at really? one point, mm-hmm. and and because he started to recycle. Some of the, you know, we weren't breaking any new ground. Right, it was like, right. 
it was like a, it was like a TV show that was going into summer repeats. And like, <laughs> who I, did this yeah, one? I, I think I, I think I heard. I this dealt with one. my mother already. Yeah, I, we're, you know, we're going back to breastfeeding again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt like uh, so. I, I I stopped with him. You mentioned something uh, right out of the gate. Uh, people who uh, take medication and, and, and so forth. Um, I am of the opinion, and this is just me because. Uh, there was a time prior, right before the I started going to see therapy, where I was. I was, uh, for lack of a better word, maniacally depressed. It was mm-hmm. probably in the first uh, three, four years I was here at, at Sunday 95. And I got no problem uh, telling you people this, but I, it was one of those couldn't get off the couch yep. types of depression where it was a struggle to go to work and function. Yep. And I was put on, on medication. I was put on uh, Effexor. Okay. Um, a rather large dose of it. What the what the three hundred milligrams? Uh, three hundred fifty. Wow. Milligrams of Effexor. Mm-hmm. And I had never been on medication at that point. It got me off the couch. It got me functioning, but it also um, I, I had become I, so complacent. I didn't care. Um, I didn't argue. Um, you weren't you. I wasn't. I you know. I I didn't have an opinion. I just kind of did what I had to do and, and got through the day because that was better than where I was. And um, my my question to you is: It, it seems sometimes we're so, especially in the last ten twenty years, so quick to medicate. I sometimes I, I feel like we're an over medicated nation. I think, if I'm not mistaken, in today's paper there was an article in one of the sections about the fact that like three or four out of six people are medicated, adults are medicated nowadays. And I think medication obviously serves a purpose. You know, you can get through an infection without an antibiotics, but obviously an antibiotic helps you through sure. it. It doesn't get rid of the disease, it helps you fight the disease. I think medica- psychiatric medication, or what we call psychotropic medication, the, the uh, Effexors or the Prozacs or the Zolofts or the Selects, or all those med- groups of medications, antidepressants and anti-anxieties are really good as a start, but not as an end. You can't take medication for a bad marriage and expect that the medication is going to make your marriage better. Right. You know, they, at least legal medication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, so if you're experiencing depression and you go to, you see your family doctor, obviously your family doctor isn't going to sit down with you every week and talk with you about what's going on with your life. She's going to write a script, but hopefully he or she's going to say, and go get help also, because you need to rethink things. So I usually say medication is a way to kind of um, sand down the rough edges of things. At least it got you off the couch. It got me off the couch. It got you to work. It got, it got you to, to be around people with the hope that as a result of that, you'd start building a network of people and being around people and maybe become less depressed. All right. So here's what happened, though. I was I was still doing stand-up comedy on a fairly regular basis, and I had a gig in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I was halfway to Indianapolis, and I realized I'd forgotten my medication. Ooh. And I was there from a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, I forgot the medication on Thursday, and I was fine. And then it was on Friday. I started to get the sweats a little bit, you know. And, and a headache. And a headache, yeah. And then um, I think it was Saturday was, was, was really tough but i was okay and then on sunday when i woke up sunday morning um and and i think people experience this when when they go off their medication uh there was like uh 
a parting of the clouds. There was yep. clarity, and I felt different and better. Now, I know it is not wise to just bail and go off your medication. You're supposed to wean yourself off of medication is what they say, especially that large of a dose. Because, but I felt, I felt like me again. again. Yeah. Like and it I felt like, good. And, and, yeah. And the shows that I had done Thursday, Friday were okay. But the Sunday night show was a killer. Was just amazing. <laughs> so when I got back, I did not seek medical advice. I continued not to, to take, take it. it. When I saw my regular physician, he he said, are you still on the effects? Or? And I go, oh, no, man, I haven't been on that for like six months. He goes, well, what, what do you go, mean? Right? What, what do you mean you've been on it? When when uh, when did you go off of it? And I told him the story I just told you. And and he got mad. He said, uh, you just stopped? I go, yeah. He goes, you were on 350 yeah. milligrams of effects. Or he goes, I have patients that are on 50 milligrams that if they don't take it on a regular basis, they want to put a gun in their mouth if they're not, if they don't have their medication, because that was a very dangerous thing to do. Very dangerous. Yeah, I understand it, but you know, I but, haven't been back on it since. But we're all like that. I mean, I don't know what you're like, but when the doctor writes me a script, when I have a, an infection for an antibiotic and says, now take it for 30 days. And uh-huh. I religiously, I go home and I take it. And every six hours I'm on the money with it. After a week and a half when I'm starting to feel better, I stop taking my medication. If you ever look in your in your medicine cabinet, you see all the medications. Right. You got the leftovers. <laughs> you, know, you got some antibiotics. You, you got, got a little bit of everything. You, you, know, to... you got a mixture. You know? Because most of us are like that. And even very, very serious psychiatric people, the people who are seeing things or hearing things that are walking the streets or whatever or in psychiatric hospitals, they don't want to take their medication when they stop hearing things, but the moment they stop hearing, taking their medication, all that, that stuff comes back. So, yeah, I mean, the good news is you had enough strength and enough wherewithal that you were able to get through it, but some people stop taking it and they start getting down again. It's called rebound depression, mm-hmm. and rebound depression a lot of times is 20 times worse than your initial depression. I, I, I've seen it in, in loved ones and friends. In, in friends. Yep. And I still... I, I can, I can, I still get depressed. I still, I can still feel the cloud yeah, absolutely. coming and I do, and I, and I do have a tendency to get a little more down around the holidays absolutely. because I do what you said earlier. I start to think about the, the year that I've had, yep. what I've accomplished, what I didn't accomplish. Um, I, I start to think about, um, who I didn't satisfy or, or what I didn't do properly. All the things you disappointed, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You only remember the bad for the year. It right, like. right. Yeah, and then, and then you try to think of some of the good, and then yeah. and then I have that, you know, that whole clean slate approach like everybody does. Is that a false thing to go into the new year with a positive no, I think it's, clean slate know, approach? We don't need to wait for the first of the year to do a clean slate. But, but people do wait for that. But sometimes when they do clean slate, they decide they're going to wipe everything out. Sometimes you can't wipe everything out or we set unrealistic goals for ourselves. It's like, I'm going to start exercising and get up at five o'clock every morning and run three miles. Well, you may do that on the first and the second and Mm -hmm. the third, but the 15th when it's negative five outside, you know, you pull the covers back over. So you've set yourself, maybe what you need to do is say, I'm going to be healthier. So that way there's many things you can do besides running three miles every morning. I mean, I, you know, it's great to set goals. It's great to have expectations for ourselves, but because we fail at them doesn't mean we're a failure. Right. It just may mean that maybe we're not going to be the marathon runner by the end of January. Sure. <laughs> you know?
So by making a clean slate, sometimes you're doing yourself more harm than good. Sometimes. And, you know, it also depends upon our upbringing. You know, I mean, if we've been told all along that, you know, you're not worth a whole bunch. Well, again, remember, <laughs> you got to keep this a podcast, not therapy session for me. Well, I mean, we all come from families. With no, I don't know a lot of people that were born in the Walton family, <laughs> you know, personally or professionally. But, I mean, you know, our, our own upbringing affects how we do things and how we interpret things and how we go through the holidays. I mean, you know, with a name like Lawrenston, I was raised Catholic which is a whole nother story that we can spend six podcasts on. But, you know. I got time. Go ahead. Got, you know, but, you know, and. and but my, much like, much like, much like a, a session with you, we'll be done in 45 minutes. <laughs> you're not going to. And get the bill. You're not going to get the full hour. <laughs> what is that? Can you, can you. Can, tell me, we need some that time. to me. Hey, we need explain some time. Explain that to me. We need some I paid time. for an hour. I paid for an hour. We only get 45 minutes. minutes you're out, out the, the door. door. <laughs> And then With an appointment. Yeah. And I always do. We need some time to kind of process. Well, why don't you take 15 minutes after my hour and process? But then the next person only gets 45 minutes then. No, they get an hour too. <laughs> and we're skipping on somebody on of our No, you're not skipping on anybody. You schedule us patients and you give them all an hour. Man, when I add up all the 15 minutes that I Boy, got I'll taken away you. from right, me. It could have cured you. Would, <laughs> you would be better I'd now. I'd be better now. I wouldn't be doing a podcast talking but, to know, a psychologist trying right. to get some free therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to my life. <laughs> yeah, Catholic? I was raised Catholic. My father converted when he, before he married my mom to Catholicism. And uh, so I was raised Catholic. But my father, being a longtime Jew, um, was de- would be depressed during the holidays. And, you know, I mean, he'd go to bed at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My mom would be yelling all morning. My mom would say when we would ask her what she wanted for Christmas every year, she'd say, I want to be dead by next Christmas. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. That's, that's, so that's one year, happy. my two sisters and I bought her a pearl handle pistol. No. Yeah, well, she wouldn't open up her gifts for three, four days after the holiday. Anyway, it's like, you know, Mom, do something about it. But, you know, just as a joke. Um, <laughs> just as a joke? She didn't understand the concept. <laughs> you know? I think she probably wanted to use it on us instead. So, you know, the holidays have been really difficult. The good news, my wife comes from a family that was a lot better for the holidays, so I've learned how to enjoy it and then having children of my so own. So you didn't enjoy the holidays as a child? Not at all. I could remember waking up on Christmas morning wondering what the hell was going to happen today. Wow. Not a fun time. So. And, and who was, and, and my father's relatives would come over, all the whole Jewish side of the family mm-hmm. would come over well, for the holidays. did you celebrate Hanukkah? No, we didn't celebrate. My mom wouldn't celebrate Hanukkah. My mother's maiden name was Genevieve of Fasasika. And my father was Abraham Levenstein, but you couldn't be Abraham and be Catholic. Right. So he had to change his first name to Allard. And he could change his last name to any last name he wanted to pick Lowenstein. He could have picked Smith with a Y. Yeah. He could have picked Kennedy. But he wanted to keep some of his heritage. And coming from New York and having a New York accent, most people think, oh, he Lowenstein, you're a Jew. And it's like, no, I have some with part all, of with me. With all due respect, I thought Most you were. people do. Most people do. In fact, when I was in third grade and um, was writing um, for an English, or third or fourth grade, I had to write for the final what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be a priest, and well, before I knew about girls, you know, wanted to be a priest <laughs> and, and a cardinal and a bishop and one day be the pope. And they flunked me because they didn't think that I understood the Jews couldn't be the pope. And my father had to go and explain to him, you know, because his name's Lowenstein doesn't mean he's Jewish. Right. And they, you know, they gave me the credit for it and things like that. So the good news, well, I don't know, or the bad news, depending upon one's perspective, is decided to want to be a priest later on. You know, <laughs> third grade ruined it for me. Third grade, yeah. <laughs> I remember taking a, an aptitude test in high school. 
Uh-huh. And uh, uh, that was one of the vocations that they— For, for you to be a priest? Suggested that I'd be a priest or, or, a, or a cop. <laughs> Which is very similar, I guess. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and you became what now? Uh, well, actually, uh, you know, at one point I was a, I was a private investigator. Really? So, and then, uh, I did, then I got into stand up, and then I fell into radio, literally. And, uh, and you don't uh, do priesthood well at this point. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think I, no, I, it wasn't you. I know. No, I, I, I'm not overly, I have faith. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm not. not a, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't go to church on a regular right, basis. Right. You know, my mother d- does, and and constantly, she goes for you. Oh, she. Right. Uh, my mother. Yeah. I mean, you we talk, all come from. We, we, my mother is, is is is. I love my mother. She was single mom. She raised us. My my father. That's a whole other story another entirely. Story. But uh, but uh, but I, I, it's interesting because you talk about the Christmases. You had you had crappy. Christmases yes. from from as long as you can as long remember, as I can remember until you were an adult. Finally, was an adult and married. And, and so when you were, that's when that's so 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 it can change. It, you can you can yeah you, you but, can open I mean, up and, and. But I can tell you that there's still times during the holidays that my wife will need to remind me. It's like you didn't put it together mm-hmm. because I can find myself sinking back into that. And I've been married almost, it'll be 40 years. This Congratulations. Year. Thank you. Mazel tov. Right. <laughs> I've always wondered about this. When someone in your profession is depressed, I mean, wh- where do you go? What do you do? Do you, do, do psychologists see other psychologists or you know, psychiatrists see other psychiatrists? You know, it's really interesting. I, you know, I think when I first started in this profession, I would take a lot of the stuff that I would hear during the day home. Um, uh, the tragedies of sometimes what you would hear of somebody losing their spouse or losing mm-hmm. their child or being locked up for something and things like that. You can't take on all the problems of the world and have a life. So I think I've been good about being able to leave work at work as best as I can. But, you know, around the holidays, like I'm seeing a, a woman right now who there's a high probability she will not see her two children on Christmas Day. They've been removed from her live with their ex-husband. I'm sorry to hear that. She's going to wake up Christmas morning without her two kids for the second Christmas, and it doesn't get any easier with every Christmas. If anything, it probably gets harder, I think. And there's nothing that can be done about it. I mean, she's going to wake up, and she hates Christmas as a result of it. She remembers loving Christmas with her kids, and her kids are young, you know, believing in Santa Claus and all those things. So those are the times that I'll remember Boy, I'll remember her during on Christmas morning around this time or some past appointments or patients that I've seen who've lost a spouse or something. I've seen another woman who lost her husband a couple of weeks ago unexpectedly. I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be a difficult holiday for these people. Okay, so I and, I and I appreciate the fact that you can have feelings for those people, your patients, you care about them. Obviously, you're very good at what you do. But what happens, what about you as an individual? When you, when something is depressing you or has you down, where do you go? What do you do? To another professional and go see somebody and talk it through. I mean, I've had... Many times that I've seen people and gone to see a professional, both me and me and my wife, and to kind of get through issues. Because because I do what I do for you know, my father used to say shoemakers walk around with the worst shoes. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, obviously, psychologist doesn't mean we're happily married and everything works and we're good communicators. I experience the same problems as everybody else does. I think I think that's kind of like everybody kind of forgets. 
Right, that, that I'm a that, human being. That you're a human being, yeah. That you're, you're supposed to have all the answers. Yeah, and they think I must be have the perfect marriage, and a have loving no wife, and our whatsoever. kids are all, we all hold hands and sing Kumbaya all, every night. And all doctors are completely right. healthy and have and, no medical and issues whatsoever. And we know that that's not the case. And that's not the case whatsoever. We're human beings. Yeah. We do bad things. We say bad things. We get angry. We, I don't listen. I don't communicate. I do all the things that I'm telling people, you know. So how do you maintain objectivity sometimes when in those cases? I realize that life is life and that because somebody's not doing it right doesn't mean that they can't learn some other ways to do it. I mean, if I can learn how to better communicate, you can learn how to better communicate. If things are really down for me and I'm depressed, there's other things that we can do besides call it quits. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all human. Like if you really want to change something and it's really important, you'll find a way to do it. I would be remiss if I did not bring up this particular topic because the show is called Whiskey Business. <laughs> We're sitting here talking about Heavy-ish. the holiday blues <laughs> and depression, and yet we're sitting here sharing what most professionals would say, in clinically speaking, is a depressant. Alcohol. Yes, alcohol is a depressant and heavily used during the holidays. Yeah, but boy, it's a sweet tasting. It's a sweet it's tasting. A I mean, if, if you have to doesn't take... taste like the effects are at all, does no, it? No, not, no, not, no. And you're talking to somebody who's washed down as a effect <laughs> with uh, uh, whiskey. It's got a better taste. All right, than the so it, it, it's right. it's a depressant. So uh, um, there's been always a lot of a lot of jokes uh, about my my. Uh, level of drinking and, and how much I imbibe. If I actually drank as much as everybody thinks right, I drank. Right, you'd be dead. I'd be dead. Right. I'd be dead. And that's still a ways to go. But, um, I mean, yeah, how do you, how do you identify, I mean, alcohol as a, as a problem? Well, I, you know, it's a great question, and it's a great question that a lot of people look at around this time. And Absolutely. does it vary from individual to individual? Absolutely. You know, what we look at is if it's interfering with your occupational or social functioning. Obviously not. Obviously, right. I build a I podcast mean, around when, it. When, when you call <laughs> it whiskey business, it's, actually, it's you know. actually enhancing right. at the moment. Right. But, but if you can't function during the day without it, or you can't do X, Y, or Z, or you can't be in a relationship without it where you're dependent upon it, you know— that's where it becomes a problem. You know, I'm an ex-smoker, and if I'm not mistaken, you were a smoker. I don't know if you. I still, still am a smoker. Still a smoker. Still a smoker. So you know exactly what it's like. I mean, how many times have you tried to quit? Oh, more, every time, yeah. every day, and of every pack, probably. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. Not not recently, but uh, it's yeah. a hard habit. It's a hard, and you see how it interferes with your life. Yeah. You do everything around your cigarettes. Your cigarettes come first sometimes. And when you run low, I mean, it's an addiction. You can understand it. Oh, I'll leave the house in the, in, in, late at night. So just, just to so, go out and get just, a pack. Just to go get a pack so I don't have to worry about waking up in the morning. Without any Without any cigarettes. But I don't do that with alcohol. No. So And my know. house, I'm telling you, my house is jam-packed with alcohol. There's alcohol everywhere. It's, uh, because I, I love bourbons and I love whiskeys. So I have a lot of them. But that doesn't mean that you're drinking a bottle every night. No, I'm not drinking a bottle every night, but then there's some and people that say— you're still going—you don't have to do it every night. It could be just once—but it's not interfering with your life. No, it's not interfering with my life. And I, and I think I would be aware—well, that's the thing. I mean, Or other people around you would be aware. Your yeah. family or friends would say to you, Dad or Dino or Buddy, you know— I'm concerned you got three OMVIs and and your every relationship you've had is blown away because of your drinking. Hmm. Maybe I <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm but I mean, kidding. so I mean, 
you know, everybody's got a different feel for that. I mean, the, you don't have to be at the bar every night holding up the, you know, the, the tail end of the bar to be an alcoholic. Those people may be alcoholics, or you don't have to be homeless on a street corner, like drinking cologne. What is the definition of, you know, we always hear the term functional alcoholic. Well, I'm not sure if that's, you know, I, I think it's a misnomer. Is, is it? it? They're functioning, but they're not really functioning at full potential because they're under the influence. Yes, alcohol is an anti, I mean, is a depressant, but we're not using it as an antidepressant. It's no. also a nice way to be able to relax sit in that easy chair, be around friends. So how come it's never talk? called a relaxant? It's always called a depressant. <laughs> how come it's never called a relaxant? Well, it's called how rye. <laughs> <laughs> you never hear, alcohol's a relaxant. No, you don't, right. It, yeah, well, it's, always, because, it's always got the evil connotation of being a depressant. Absolutely, because if you do it in excess, it is a depressant. But if we're sipping some really nice, uh, nice mm -hmm. liquor today, you know, the taste's great. It's got all those smells and those, you know, smells molasses and, and the black pepper. Flavors, yeah. And we're not, you know, falling all over ourselves here. But if we drank the whole bottle before we left today and we tried to drive home, that would be a problem. That would be a problem. You know, so I think you have to just be aware of your own, you know, because you get drunk during the holidays at the Christmas party, which, you know, make a fool of yourself. May mean maybe you need to watch out at the Christmas parties every year because right. you know you don't want to have that reputation. Um, but that doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. But if you're doing it and it's interfering with your marriage or it's interfering with your time with your kids or it's interfering with your relationship at work or your relationship you know outside of work with some significant people or interfering with work that you can't get up in the morning you know unless you're having a shot or something then you've got a problem. All right, let me ask you some of the some of the the what I've always heard to be flags, okay. if you will. Um if you have a drink if you drink every day. Doesn't have to be. There's a lot of people who have a drink every day and they're okay. They'll have that evening drink right. and it's not a problem. They're experiencing it with their wife or their significant other or a good friend and they have it maybe a glass of wine or two before dinner or during dinner and they're okay. It's that if I don't have that, mm -hmm. I got to stop my shakes and I'm going to need that. Right. That's when it becomes a problem. A uh, person who drinks alone. I, you know, sometimes when I'm home alone and I just want to relax, having a drink is okay. But if I'm closet drinking where, honey, I'm going upstairs to go to bed and I'm in the closet hitting the bottle with nobody seeing, then I know I've got a problem. If I drink naked in the fetal position. Well, with you, Dino, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> right, I've seen you. Right. With, I've never I, seen I tried you with to, no clothes on. I, I tried to slip the third one in. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's a sign, I'm sure. You make other people alcoholics when you, you make, do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, because uh, uh, it, it, there was a... In my work, in, in, well, like in, in stand-up, when I was on the road, there was a lot of drinking. Oh, you, I'm sure. You were in comedy clubs uh, five, six nights a week. Eating dinner at the bar. It, yeah, and it was always you know, a lot of, lot of drinking and so forth and so on. And I also, I also write. And when I write, I mean, I think it was uh, uh, Hemingway who said, you know, uh, write drunk, edit sober. You know, Interesting. I, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I drink when, when I'm writing, but... And I smoke when I'm writing, but I should be I should write all the time because what I do is I I, I light a cigarette and and it just sits there. Ninety percent of it right, burns in the ashtray. Right, you know right. that'd be the best way for me to smoke. Right, I barely right. get a drag off of it, <laughs> right. but I tend to pour a little bit, and um, it helps you think. It does, and it helps you so relax. It does help me relax, but but there's you know there's just that 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 fine line where 
it like lowers your inhibitions a little bit. Yep. But it also seems to is is it is it the is it the alcohol or is it is it part of the creative process? I don't know. Or a little bit of everything. I mean, who knows? It helps you. It's one of the things that you use to help you feel better and things like that. If you don't have it tonight or next Tuesday or tomorrow, it's not like you're going to go, oh, no. my God, I, how am I going to live without it? Like you said with cigarettes, you know you got three cigarettes left and it's midnight. You shoot out to the BP gas station yeah. to get a pack because you don't want to wake up in the morning and say, oh, my God. But then but then there's, there's something that, that contradicts that because I've been in situations where I, I could not smoke and I go for six or eight hours without a cigarette because I know I can't smoke and I'm not I'm not going crazy. I'm not going nuts. Yeah, but you'll make up for it later, won't you? But as soon as I go out the door, maybe I'll light up a cigarette. You'll, and and you'll probably have three in the car on that 20-minute trip more than but one. But shouldn't those six or eight hours give me some indication of the fact? Like, dude, if you can go six or eight hours on a cigarette, you could probably quit if you wanted to. Clearly, you could quit if you want to. While it's difficult, if, if I'm assuming, you know, if the doctor said to you, oh, my God, Dino, we found a spot on your lung, you yeah. wouldn't go... Hey, you want to step out for a cigarette while we? <laughs> I, I don't know if they found a spot on my lung. I'm a, I'm of the I'm of the the thought process. Well, too yeah. little, too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Well, my father had lung cancer. Oh, my father was a heavy. My father smoked five packs of cigarettes a day. Wow. When he got diagnosed with lung cancer, he cut back to four packs. To three packs. Yeah, really? three packs. Yeah. And died at an early age. No, then? died. Lived to be he was eighty three years old. Really? And he was. As you get close to eighty three, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that yeah. point, he's like, you know, he, he cut back, but uh, and if you didn't know he had cancer, you wouldn't have known he had cancer until it metastasized and went into his oh. legs. Oh, okay. When it took out his legs and he couldn't, and was, and, and, couldn't get around. Couldn't get around. That's when it that's, really affected. That's when it beat him. That's when it got him. But uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I know, I know, it's bad for me. Wait, it says it on the side of everybody. What are you stupid for smoking these things? The Surgeon General says right. you're an idiot for smoking these things. But you know, it's interesting. What what made me quit wasn't what said on the side of a pack. It was I started having dreams that I was dying. I mean, like that I like was on my deathbed, and people were coming to my funeral, and it's like recurring dreams. Yeah, I the mean, I should have saw over... somebody about this. Yeah, it was. Right, so you're amongst friends. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a similar dream that was like I was dying on a regular basis. I mean, like a lot of times during the month. I mean, I would have this dream. Well, that's an interesting. Th uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about recurring dreams. When people have recurring dreams, I think sometimes it's a message. Is it? It could be. I mean, depending upon what it is. I mean, you know, it's like what's the message behind the message? So, and what I was think, your message? I think my message was like, do something about this, Lowenstein. It's not good. My kids were yelling, screaming at me. My wife was yelling and screaming about smoking. It was like I was smoking in the office between appointments, and that wasn't good. It's like it was affecting my breathing. It was affecting everything in my life, my teeth, my diet, my everything. It's like do something about it. I That's what I saw as my message. And you know what? I quit right after that. It was hard. It was difficult. To this day, I said, you know, if I'm going down and the plane's going down, I'm looking for the guy that's got the smile on his face because I know he's got cigarettes. He's got cigarettes <laughs> and you're going to have that one last. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I miss it a lot of times. I never realized how much it smelled till I quit. I never realized that cigarettes smell like they do. Yeah. I mean, it really smells uh, uh, bad. Um, but, you know, I also, there's less people who seem to be smoking. Oh, uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're lepers. Absolutely. We're, I mean, it's amazing how that is the case. And people look at you weird when they see you smoking. It's yeah. like, oh, 
Oh, you got to do that. Yeah, you know, because they look almost like it's a weakness. Right, uh, it's like you know, level. like they like you're sticking yeah. a needle in your right. arm. On, on, yeah, I I totally get that, and and they're expensive. Oh, they keep going up in price. Yeah, I can't remember when I said that when they got to this price, I was oh, going right, to stop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I know whatever they cost. Yeah, my cousin Stevie lives in New York. He pays eleven dollars a pack. For Is that amazing? And smokes a pack a day or two. Yeah, eleven dollars for a pack. Yeah, and, and when, when you saw, started, how much were they? Do you remember? Oh gosh, no, I don't remember. Seventy five cents. They were, they were, they were, they were cheap. They were cheap. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody smoked. Yeah, everybody did. There was did. something wrong with you if you didn't smoke. I can remember my family doctor coming in and doing a physical. Sure. My mother worked for a doctor and there were ashtrays out in the waiting Absolutely. room. Absolutely. College classes, yeah. you smoked. Yeah. Now, can you imagine like sitting in the doctor's office and your doctor walked in with a cigarette in his mouth? I, I would. I, <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem no, with it. No, but I think a lot but, of people would. But some people <laughs> probably, probably would have a an issue with it. The recurring dreams. So you think of their messages? Yeah, I think sometimes. Because I have recurring dreams. Mine, mine is is is. Uh, I have I have two. One is an actual monster. Really? I mean, sorts. like like uh, the same monster. Every the same time? type of monster. But another one is like goes back to my investigative days, where anybody and everybody that I caught uh-huh. is out, and I'm. It's just like a chase. Oh, they're out to get you. Yeah. Do they ever get you? No, they never do. It's kind of like mo- the, it's kind of like that whole when you the, the, oh wait the, if the, you the, fall when you fall <laughs> if you don't you, wake you, up you, wake you up. die <laughs> yeah you that that whole thing I don't know if that's true I don't know if it's either, if it is <laughs> I'm either. afraid to find out <laughs> but it's a, but it's a recurring dream though I mean, yeah. it happens on a regular basis and and you know what's that what's message? the monster uh, I, the, I think the monster if I was self analyzing I think yeah. the monster is me really <laughs> that's mm. deep. Yeah, Boy, that yeah, is deep. Yeah. And it's like, how many heads on this monster? Just one. Really mean looking? Yeah. Really? Yeah, kind of mean. And he mean. comes after you? Comes, he's, 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 he's always chasing after, chasing after me. And they never get you? No. What no. do you do to get rid of him? I wake up. You wake up, mm-hmm. go to the bathroom, and hopefully he's gone by the time yeah. you go back to sleep. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot, but it But, but it when, has it does, been, when it does, it's, it's the same monster. It's the same monster, and I wake up sweating and... Really? Oh yeah. It's amazing. We all have, you know, we all have shit in our closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all have. To, yeah. We do. <laughs> and sometimes we shit in the closet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After drinking too much. Right. <laughs> I thought it was the bathroom. I thought it was the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't realize it was you. Uh, I'm glad you're liking the Wilford oh, yeah, Reserve. I, I would have never done rye if I wouldn't have. Well, if. Are you, you're enjoying the. Would you, uh, you would know, you I need a little mi- bit more. Well, I was For some say. reason, the ice drank my drink. Yeah, yeah that happens. <laughs> yeah. That happens. That happens. Please, I know what I'm buying next if week. You can fi- well, good luck finding it's it. Ha- and- you can't find it in Columbus. Uh, really? Well, no. Any idea why? Ohio, my friend, gets the smallest allocation of fine bourbons from in Kentucky the, in the country. I think it's because we live so close to Kentucky. That we get the. They expect uh, us to drive there to get it. They we get the smallest allocation of good really bourbons. That's why some of the good hard to find stuff is so hard to find because Ohio doesn't get it. No kidding. But I have agents. <laughs> I have, I have you my got own, connections. I got my own liquor agents that are out there. Yeah, I, I I think rise are great. And I said five six years ago, I said I told people that. Rye whiskey's going to make a comeback, and everybody said, no, rye's nasty, this and it, because the only ryes you could get were like old Overholt rye at the liquor store. And I said, trust me, they're going to make a comeback. 
And now everybody's making a rye. It's interesting. Yeah. Just I've never a rye drinker, but boy, this is good. This is good. Uh, there's there's good rye, and there's not so there's some not great. What's rye. What's the cheap rye that's on the? Is Canadian Club rye? No, Canadian Club is uh, is just Canadian whiskey. It is okay. But uh, but uh, Crown Royal makes a rye now. Oh, they, they do. They, they make a rye whiskey. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I enjoy them. I, I really do. So I'm glad you're enjoying yes, this. Yes, it's delicious. I read an article just the other day that um, getting into depression or or problems if you will in relationships that january is the divorce month yep why we've tolerated it through the holidays and we don't want to go through it again january is a big month it's the beginning of a new year we we tend to hold things off because we want to get through the holidays but spending that extra five days with the spouse that you can't handle anymore they said the couples that are, I, I think the number the was on the edge that are having problems average about 124 arguments over the month of December, yep. which leads to the divorce, the in divorce January, in January, or at least, the or at least yeah. So they 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 stay together for the sake a lot of the of times holiday stay for the holidays for the kids. If there's kids involved, let's get through the holidays. Let's make it the best we can, mm-hmm. knowing full well that in January we're gonna. January is the probably the biggest month. A lot of divorce attorneys will say their busiest months are January and February. And are you busy in January and February? Busier in January than and the whole month of December. Really? A lot of people can pull it together for the holidays. It's like I'm going to go out to dinner. I'm going to be with friends. I'm going to be around. And come January, well, we all know what January is like in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's freezing and it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, not... it's miserable. And it's pretty depressing. And on February is the longest month of the year here. And, you know. It's just it's all just really a hard time for people, and I think it's the new year, and I'm still doing the same stuff I've done for the last 35. Yeah. And every year I say I'm going to do something about it, and 35 years later I'm still doing it. Do something about what? My life or You, you personally? No, no, I'm no. just talking oh, about people, oh, people are going in general. Through. Right, I'm going to do something about it, and then they finally— And it's uh, January, and they're doing the same thing that they did last January and the January before and the January before. What do you think think becomes a catalyst for some people to actually make that move? They finally get sick and tired of it, or somebody finally says to them, why don't you do something about it? Mm. You know, I'm sick and tired of you being sick and tired. Right. (laughs) Or, you know, they just, they finally got sick enough. That they did something. Uh Or they finally decide, let me try to do something, you know. I finally said something to somebody or I finally believe or a friend of mine's doing something and finally feeling better or a friend of mine's getting a life that I wish I could have. Maybe I need to do something about it. They're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You think some people are just afraid to be alone? That's why they stay? Definitely. Or I I think there's there's people who stay together because of their MasterCard bill. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can't afford to get divorced. Oh, wow. I mean, that's pretty disgusting. I'm going to stay Allegedly happily married because we owe $15,000 on my MasterCard. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. But there's people who do that. Or they use that for the excuse. Yeah, that's where it comes down to, the the, uh, you know, the rationalization. I'm miserable and I'm showing my kids yeah. that, you know, I mean, what I say to these people a lot of times, you know, is, you know, if your son or daughter at the age of 35 or 40 came to you and said, Dad, Mom, I'm in a marriage I'm not happy in. I'm not I've tried everything I can do to make it better, and I'm not happy. Now, what are you going to say to them? Do like your mother and I did and stay together and be miserable? No, you're going to say, what can I do to help? 
Right. And if it means you have to get out of the marriage, that's sad, but you have a life. Mm-hmm. Get your life together. Life is too short to be in a mar- marriage that's miserable for years. I mean, my parents stayed. I don't know. I know my parents had sex three times. I've got two sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering sometimes. I, I understand. I, I understand. Know, maybe I, twice because my sister said I was adopted. You know? <laughs> but they had a miserable life together. My mom missed my dad the day after she, my dad died. And it's like. You know, she missed my, him? She missed him then. Despite the fact they had a miserable marriage. For 70 years they were married. <laughs> And she, they were miserable with one another. It's like my grandparents, they screamed and yelled at each other every day that I remember. I lived with them for quite a few years, and they were constantly at each other's throats. The only time my parents talked is when I would call from college, and my dad would pick up the, the downstairs phone, and my mom would yeah. you know, and they would talk. They hated one another. I mean, they were miserable. But as soon as my grandfather passed away, my oh. grandmother was the same way. My Oh, my Nicolie. How am I going to live without him? Yeah. And I said to my mother the day we buried my dad, don't wait till I die to miss me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we rationalize a yeah, lot. We don't do we? a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've always said, you know, rationalizations are like bowel movements. You need, <laughs> need at least one good one every day. Every day. <laughs> in order you to... know, that's a good one. I got to remember you that. Can get, you know I can use that one. My gift to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I hope uh, I have found this very informative this and and uh, enlightening in a lot of ways. Good. Um, I I don't feel the need to go back into therapy. <laughs> as no, a you result. know what? We're getting less and less professionals. We please keep us <laughs> stay away. I, uh, yeah, I don't want to ruin any more lives. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, it's good to know that if you if you do need help, you should you should get it. Talk there's, with there's, you. Talk a lot with... of people feel ashamed. Like they feel and, like it's a weakness. Unfortunately, and, and that was a problem with me. I felt I it was a weakness it because we were the way we were brought up. Right. You and didn't ask not. for help. No. You you just did it. Yeah, and it's not a weakness. No. It's, uh, if anything, the weakness is not getting help when exactly. you need it. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Because so. you don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be Wonder Woman. You could say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I don't got it. Yeah. So go get help. Go get help. It's out the there. The worst that'll happen is it won't work. But doing nothing, you know that it won't work. You've tried that. It's not working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good advice. Good advice. Thank you, my friend. Cheers to you. All right. Let me say a few of the things that I have to say. Number one, uh, if you're listening, uh, as soon as this was released, thank you for that. And I hope that you have a a really terrific holiday. Uh, Christmas is upon us. Hanukkah starts on the 24th. Kwanzaa, all of them. Have a blessed and really great holiday. Thank you for listening to Whiskey Business. I want to thank Greg Hansberry, who's been with me from the get-go on these. We've got a, a few of these under our belt by now, my friend. Here's hoping we have a lot more in 2017. I promised you we would get at least a St. Paddy's Day. That's what, That was the promise on the first one. So I can get some Jameson. So you can get I'm some sticking Jameson. around at least till March. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I promise you we can try to get to St. Paddy's Day. Ooh, that's that's a, what it's <laughs> worth waiting for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me just say a couple of things. That Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production uh, recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. The opinions are those of your host, Dino Tripodis, and my reluctant guests, and are only meant to entertain, maybe even inform, but not to offend in any way, shape, or form. So if you were offended by anything you heard tonight, get over it. All right? So, my friends, uh, have a great This will be the last whiskey business for 2016. We'll be back with fresh uh, new ones coming up in 2017. So thank you so much. And like I say every week, until the next bottle. See you then. 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.